Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome to another edition of Centurion Faith, the podcast that helps the believer in Jesus Christ to seek the kind of faith that makes him marvel. Bible says in Hebrews 11, chapter 6, that without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe that he not only exists, but that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The premise of this podcast, as you know, is um, is found in, in uh, the story of the centurion. Uh, the, the name centurion faith comes from um, a story that's in the Bible. You can find it in Matthew 8, 8 and Luke 7, 7 where a Roman centurion comes to Jesus and he, and he asks him if he would come and heal his servant who's at home and uh, really sick with the palsy and grievously tormented. And Jesus says, I'll come, I'll do it, I'll come heal him. Like he says, basically, I'm willing. And by the way, Jesus is always ready, willing, and able to heal, even today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And you find that in Hebrews 13, 8. So he was willing to heal this man, but the centurion said, just speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. He said, you don't have to come to my house, Jesus. You don't have to walk all that way. If you just speak the word only, my servant shall be healed. He said, for I am a man under authority. I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. And I say to another, do, and he does. And, and the Bible says that, that Jesus marveled at this man's faith. And he started bragging on the guy. He said, I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. In other words, I haven't, I haven't, seen, <laughs> I haven't seen any faith like this on the earth today. Talking in front of all these Pharisees and religious leaders. And he points out this heathen, this uh, man that's hated and despised by the Jews. And he says, this guy has greater faith than anybody. I think that's hilarious. But what is it that made him marvel? It was the fact that that he had such a reverence for God's word. The centurion reverenced God's word. He, um, Proverbs thirteen thirteen says that he that reverences the word will be rewarded, and he that despises the word will be destroyed. Um, Jesus himself is called the word of God, the word made flesh. In John 1, if you read the first chapter, you'll see him refer to, I think, in the 14th verse, to the word made flesh and dwelt among us. But the first line of John, the book of John, right at the beginning in the book of John, it says, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was there at the beginning. So the word was there at the beginning, and the word remains to the end. And when we see that word, it's the word word. <laughs> is actually used interchangeably. There's there's a word, uh, there's there's logos and there's rhema. And, and simple definition of that is a logos is the written word of God and the rhema is the spoken word of God. So we read the pages on the Bible and you could refer to that as logos. But when you get a rhema word from God, a spoken word of God, that's where God gives you maybe something more specific to do, like call your friend go minister to this person, you get like a, the Bible calls it an unction from the Holy One or a stirring from the Holy One. And it's an internal word to go help somebody who's who's hurting, who's broken, who's battered in this world like the um, Good Samaritan did. 
uh, to stop along the way and help someone, that, that would be an example of a rhema word. And that would also be considered doing the word of God, to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. So we can go to church and you can listen to podcasts like mine and you can hear the word of God preached. And I certainly use the written word of God as my foundation for my life and for my ministry. But um, then from that, once we, once we learn and uh, how to reverence and obey the written word of God, then God starts giving us more and more rhema words to do, you know, just kind of specific words to maybe even where to invest, uh, where to go, uh, who to minister to, how to minister, things like that. So it's amazing to me. The the parable or the um, story that I want to touch on today is actually a parable. It's found in Mark 4.14, or right around in Mark 4, I should say, but there, Mark 4.14 is a specific verse I want to touch on. But this is the story of Jesus telling the parable of the sower sowing the word. And um, he's explaining to his disciples the, the, um, that uh, in Mark 4.14, he says the sower sows the word. He, he, he tells them this parable about a man going out, a farmer going out and sowing seed, something that these people uh, of that day would understand. They, there was an agricultural community of that day, so he was giving them something they would understand and how a farmer goes out to sow seed. And he sows the seed on four different types of soil and the soil is really a picture of a person's heart. And uh, it's really an amazing story. And he, he kind of talks about how, I'm just going to read this here, I guess is the best way to do it. I didn't plan to do this, but I'm going to touch on it really quick. Um, Jesus, Jesus says in, in uh, Mark 4.14, when he's explaining the parable, this is in after he goes through it. And then they say, what does this mean? He said, the sower sows the word. That's the farmer, right? The seed is the word of God, and the farmer is going out to sow the seed of God's word. And these that are by the wayside, he's talking about people and the hearts, people's hearts, where the word is sown. But when they have heard the word, Satan comes immediately, and he takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So those are people that are receiving the, 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 um, the seed of God's word by the wayside. And those are also likewise, which are sown on stony ground. This is the second condition of heart. So the word of God is sown on stony ground and they hear, they hear the word and they immediately receive it with gladness. So that's a good thing. But then it says, but they have no root in themselves. And so they endure for a time. And afterwards, the, when afflictions and persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So they're offended by the word of God when they get resistance, when they try to let that seed grow in them and and, um, and manifest. And then the third condition uh, is those that are sown among thorns, or you could say pricks, the pricks of this world. So the word of God is sown among the thorns. So think of all the non-believers out there, uh, those that are doing the devil's bidding, because you're either doing one or the other. You're either on God's team or the devil's team. That's all there is today, and that's pretty apparent. Those are uh, sown among thorns. They hear the word of God, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in choke out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. I would say that this is the one as we're getting closer to the perfect ground, the fourth type of ground, this is the one that I have struggled with the most. And it's 
um, something I really need to work on and God is working in me, that the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, when I think of all the things going on right now, the dollar about to collapse and the calamity that's going on in the financial system and the debt that's being passed around from nation to nation, there's a burgeoning worldwide debt that can't be paid. It's a picture of the sin debt that can that that has already been paid by Jesus Christ, but has not been received by most people in the world. So this giant debt that's being passed around in the natural um, massive debt is a picture of the sin debt that's also being passed around. Um, and then the last condition, and this is where we want to be as believers, um, those who. Uh, those are they which are sown on good ground. And that's what we want to be. We want to get our hearts prepared to receive the word uh, on good ground. Um, let your heart today be good ground to receive this word. And they, these are people who hear the word, they receive it, and they bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. So, you know, we are to be uh, to abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 15, that whole chapter is about abide in me and I abide in you. And when you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask what you will and it'll be done unto you. And this is how Jesus says, this is how my father bears much fruit and you show yourself to be my disciples. He says that in a couple different places that when we pray for people and then we see God move in their lives, that's bearing fruit. And they, they, the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of their right standing with God is revealed through Jesus Christ. And so anyway, I love this parable because it just tells us um, the necessity for the word of God. I think there is a famine today in, in the, I believe it's the eighth chapter of the book of Amos. You'd have to look it up. Just Google famine for God's word. There's a famine today in this land. I don't want to use that misuse that scripture, but it just makes me think of the famine there is today uh, in the land for the word of God. And it's amazing. Um, the, the Bible describes the word of God in Hebrews 4.12 as, as, um, as a sword. It says, you know, the word of God is, is quick and alive, meaning, you know, it's, it's active and alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to uh, cut through soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's how powerful the word of God is. It cuts both ways. It lets us know, you know, what, what's in our soulish realm and our unrenewed mind and what's the spirit of God. And it really penetrates us, divides us in a good way. The, the, the word of God is a sword which can be used to cut through all the BS that's going on in this world and in our minds and to show us what's of God and what's not and what's of this world. So I just think that it's amazing to me that people that I know that really have a high reverence for the word of God and for the spirit of God, remember the word and the spirit are two essentials for every believer you not only, you get saved by hearing the word of God, you hear it preached, you hear the Logos word of God, the Rhema, you hear the spirit speaking to you and, um, and you're saved by that. And then you receive the Holy Spirit of promise when you turn to the Lord and, and receive the salvation provided through Jesus Christ. You receive also the Holy Spirit as a gift. So you're not only 
able to now today walk in the word of God, the logos, the written word of God, and to be a doer of the word, but you also have the Holy Spirit speaking to you, leading you, guiding you. And those two things will always align. The word of God and the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will always be in line. So the Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something that's not that can't be reflected or seen in the word. They, they're always in agreement and they kind of buffer each other. You've probably heard me describe on this podcast, it's like when you take a little kid to a bowling alley and you put up the rails um, on the bowling lane they're at and the ball bounces back and forth. It doesn't go in the gutter, it bounces back and forth. Well, those two railings are like the word and the spirit. And we're trying to hurl the ball down, that, let's say that's the, the word of God and and knock those pins down, knock the devil down, all the all the demons out there, and it bounces off. The word and the spirit keep that ball in line, so it it uh, hopefully has a solid hit on those pins. So I hope that makes sense. That's my little parable that God put on my heart through his through his um, rhema word he gave me on that. So you know the Bible says itself, and I'm going to kind of wrap up with this that. Blessed is the man, you know, who, who meditates. The very first Psalm, Psalm 1 in the Bible says, um, blessed is the man, I'm gonna turn to this here and read it. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Very first Psalm, keep this in mind. Psalm 1 talks about the word of God and Psalm 2 talks about the wickedness that we see going on in the world. Amazing to read those two Psalms. They're very short today and they'll show you who's in charge and show you how to charge. Um, Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, right? In the words of the ungodly, the counsel, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God. And on this law, he meditates day and night, day and night. That means just thinking about, meditating means just thinking about the word of God. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in due season and his leave will not wither and whatever he does prospers the ungodly are not like this they're like a chaff in the wind they're like a fart in the wind right the ungodly will not stand in the judgment nor sit in the congregation of the righteous right they're going to be divided they're going to be cast down into the lake of fire the Lord knows the way of the righteous and the way of the ungodly shall perish. So there's the word of the, of the world, the devil's word that's, that's getting your attention on the things of this world. And there's the word of God. Um, Joshua 1.8 says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, right? That means to speak the word of God, to not only know it, but to say it out loud so the devil can hear you. It says that, that, um, that, uh, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So you'll be able to care that you'll be careful to do what's written in it. Then you will prosper and have good success. So if you want to prosper and have good success, you need to meditate on God's word. You need to know what God's word says, and then you need to just, by the Spirit of God, be led, be led, and be a doer of the word. It's really easy. I'm ho I'm hoping this is hitting home and you see how simple this is, but you have to put the time in. You need to study. First Timothy, I think it's 2.15 says, study to show thyself approved, a workman for God, who's trained and skilled in righteousness, trained in the word of God. And I'm gonna close with this, Psalm 10.4, think of this, Psalm 10.4, and keep in mind in John 10.4, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice 
and they follow me. And a voice of a stranger they will not follow. In other words, the words of the enemy they will not follow. And then in Psalm 10, 4, it says, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Wow. God is not in all his thoughts. You can actually have God, you can practice having God in all your thoughts and having his word in your thoughts, meditating day and night while you're driving in the car, while you're cooking, while you're going out to have fun, maybe playing tennis or doing something that you like or going for a run. You can think about God and think about his word. And I think a a single grateful thought raised towards God or towards his word is the most perfect prayer you can do for him. This isn't complicated. I want to just encourage you today to think on the word of God. John 17, 17, and I'm going to close with this. Jesus's prayer over us is, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So just remember, meditate, think on God's word. Think on Jesus. Think on the word of God and be blessed today, brothers and sisters.